0: Again, welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldezan, and today we've got Mr. Josh Wilson, the resident transmission guru at
1: Agco. That's right. Good morning.
0: Well, good morning to you, sir. And I think Brian Terry's a little under the weather this morning. So Yeah,
1: he was feeling pretty rough there last <laughs> week.
0: Oh well, that's one of those things when you go down, it's just never something that you want or not something that you can do anything about for the most part.
1: No, you just gotta work through it, you know. Yep. Just and we're not gonna say who blaming who Brought that around, you know. <laughs> the contagious. The, the creeping crud. Yeah. <laughs> That's going around everywhere from
0: what I understand. But yeah, if you have a question about uh, anything on your car, of course, particularly anything about an automatic transmission, they'd be a great day to get that answered. But any topic you might have, you give us a call. We're going to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. I got an email this week from a guy named Tim, and Tim is a listener from Minnesota but regularly on email, and he has a lot of good questions. He just asks for Things. he says, could you guys address this about not really cars specifically but like business in general? And he gave me a list of three different questions here that he would want to you'll hear now. So I thought we could talk just a little bit about that and then of course we'll go into anything else that we might ramble off into. That's right.
1: We'll <laughs> try and steer it to the transmission section, but we'll we'll cover the rest of the car too. There you go. And he said the first thing, his first question was why did Agco succeed
0: when most businesses fail?" And because we have been in business 45 years and the average business does not make it that long. Definitely a viable question. I would have to say that part of that is luck. You happen to be in the right place at the right time, able to accrue a good crew of individuals that work with us and they all stayed with us a long period of time and they all stayed healthy. So those are things you would kind of relegate to luck, I think. Another thing I think is constantly we try to evolve with the market because the market continues to change. When I started out at AGCO we were pretty much would do full service anything that would come in the door from pound a dent out of a fender to paint the car to align the front, whatever whatever somebody was willing to pay us do is what we would do and later on that had to evolve into more specialization just because it got to where you couldn't do everything on every car and We went through an era where we were basically a frame and alignment shop. We did chassis work. We did alignment work, brakes, and that sort of thing. But then with the integration of systems on cars, it's sort of come 180 degrees again where you have to be able to do almost everything on the car because it all interrelates so much. For instance, you can't really do a front-end alignment unless you can reset the computers for the ride control and for the lane departure control and all that. And if you can do that, then you have to start getting into check engine lights and all the other things because it's all the same thing. Right. And the drawback there is there's only a limited number of cars that
1: you can offer a full service on. Right. Just to be able to reset those parameters, you're buying the computers and the equipment to access it. Mm-hmm. And the amount of money that you're spending on that, you're not going to make it up on just doing alignments and resetting. Right. Those couple of few little things and to... Justify spending the money on the subscriptions and the the computers, the cables. You have to do more on the car to make that equipment pay for itself. Correct.
0: And the same exact thing comes in the number of cars you can work on. It's not that you can't buy everything for every car. It's just if there are not enough of a certain type of car in your marketplace, you cannot recoup your investment. So you're losing money. For right. instance, a Subaru is a good little car. However, there's just not enough of them in Baton Rouge to buy the fifty, sixty thousand dollars 60000 worth of tooling and subscriptions and stuff required to work on next year. You know, I'm not going to do $50,000 worth of profit on this one car. Right. It's not worth me buying the stuff. So there would have to be one shop that maybe says, okay, I'll do all the Subarus and I'll buy the stuff. And then he can do just that one car or a limited number of cars. Right? But... It's come to the point where you have to sort of decide which cars you're going to work on. Of course, we do the big three, and we do Toyota and Honda, and most of the major Asian cars. Right. We'll do Nissan or Acura or those. But if a European car comes in, there's virtually nothing you can do with it. I mean, you can't even rotate the tires anymore because you can't reset
1: the The, the the tire tire pressure. pressure. Right.
0: And I mean, you can't even change the all because you can't reset the all. Yeah, you, light, you have to have
1: your fan tools to go in here and communicate with the car and reset all of this. Right. I
0: mean, basically every single function on the car has some kind of a module controlling it and something that has to be done. Right. To and reset. There, and there
1: are generic tools that will get you partially in, but those are not going to be full access like the OEM software. Correct. So really. You're going to be limited if you, the, if you're gonna do it, you can do. Right. If you're going to do it, you need to go all the way and have the OEM scan tools. Correct. you're going to uh, do it properly. Right. If you're going to do it properly. Because you're going to end up getting to a point where you're going to have to... Well, you're getting get in trouble. You can't go
0: any further with you the car. You accept the person's car and you start working
1: on it, and then all of a sudden you have to
0: look, I can't fix it. So yeah, I can't finish. And that's not where you want to have a customer be or yourself be. So. Correct. Let's take a couple of these phone calls. We've got Eugene online. Good morning, Eugene. Good
2: morning, man appreciate you taking my call. Yes, sir. Fully with a 99 Buick LeSabre, of course, with the 3.8. Uh-huh. And it will, you know, kind of going back to the older cars, you know, where you had a pickup coil and a distributor, and you had a start and a run side, mm-hmm. and you could turn the key over, and it would run as long as it was in the start, but then it would die right. once you let the key go. Mm-hmm. This one does does a similar thing to that. And at some time, it'll kind of pop violently.
3: Hmm.
2: And some, if you keep fooling with it, you may can get it to run a while.
0: You know, the first thing—Are you sure it's not in theft mode? Don't because it's got it. an immobilizer system on that car. And if for some reason the car thinks it's being stole, what it'll do is it'll start, but then it'll immediately die. Yeah. And if you kind of turn the key over, it may run a little bit. That one's probably still got the chip in the key, doesn't it? I think
2: so.
0: Yeah. Those were real, real notorious about the little sensors inside this block cylinder that reads that diode. Yes, sir. Would go bad, and they couldn't read the diode, and they would think the car was being stolen, so they would start doing that. Okay. Now, I'm not saying that is a problem, but that sure sounds like it. With a GM scan tool, you can go in, you can see that it's in theft mode. And you might also look on a, di- there's like a little padlock light.
2: I think it's got something, theft or something. Yeah. The,
0: are any of those lights on, or do any of those like come on when you uh, start it?
2: I'd really have to go see again. You know, Check that first. To
3: that.
0: Check that first because what we do on those now, Eugene, we go in and just bypass that chip in the cylinder. That was fairly easy because that was old Pass 1 system. You could kind of bypass that thing. And you
2: mean put a resistor down in? in
0: correct, inside the steering column, and it'll, it'll just get around that system. Now, the later model, Pass 2 and on, you can't do that. It's Pass 2 serial data, and it's all built into the system. It shuts everything down. But on those, you could do that, and you can get around it. You, you can just read your key's resistor, and then you just go in and put a resistor across the circuit, and that would kind of get around that. Now, beyond that, you're just going to have to see. The second thing, if, if it's not in theft mode, the next thing I would do is do a fuel pressure test on it, just see if the fuel pressure is there and if it's adequate, because low fuel pressure can do the same exact thing. It'll be enough to start the car, but it won't be enough for it to run. For instance, if it, it requires 47 PSI and it's got 40, it may start, but it's not going to run.
2: Well, I, you can hear the pump whine.
0: Yeah. Well, again, you don't know how much pressure is producing yeah, yeah, I'll, all I'll that. All that means is it's running.
2: i will check that. Mm-hmm. I noticed. Uh, you know, I got kind of one of them uh, discount tool store
0: mm-hmm.
3: scanners
2: that will give you some live. Yes. Data. Sir.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I noticed at one point with it hooked up, of course it had all it. The only code it really had was random misfire.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Boy, it's just set that
2: with it. Turning the key on and off at some point, the, mm-hmm. the, the scanner cut off.
0: And I had to reboot it. I guess is what hmm. you call it. Yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't
4: be,
0: I wouldn't be a hundred
1: percent that that's not maybe a bad ignition just, switch too. Yeah. Yeah. With that misfire code, have you noticed if you're losing any coolant on that? Because those
2: the radiator's full, but the jug is a little low, and it, it's something I'm just trying to help a church member with. Yeah, I don't know right. a whole lot about Well, the
0: car. those were notorious for the intake manifolds leaking on them. Uh-huh. That was the. Where the EGR tube came through that plastic intake, it would burn a hole out because it got too hot. And it would start sucking coolant into the intake, which will give you a misfire and sure. all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it might be one of those things where it would pay you just to take it to somebody who knows, who for familiar with the car, and let them just take a look at it. I mean, but check that locks on the first and check the fuel pressure. If it's not any of that, you can sometimes, if you look, you have to pull the throttle body off of it right. if, if you're that handy. And you can look inside the intake. If you see any coolant inside that intake, then you got a big problem.
2: You know, it it popped so hard one time. Mm -hmm. You know that I think that's a map sensor on one end of the Mm system. It blew it out of us. Yeah, Yeah. and see, they had
0: actually uh, they had a flash update for that problem. What could happen on those cars is when you would turn the key off and the valve was open in one cylinder, and there was some fuel in that cylinder lingering around. The spark could fire and it could actually explode the intake manifold. And they came out with a flash update that prevents that from happening. But I've seen them with the intake manifold in pieces, just literally explodes. Because like I said, if an injector happened to fire last time, that fuel air is still floating around in that cylinder. If the intake valve was open, you turn the key on, that cylinder fires, it would explode. Yeah. And it was a huge pop. And like I said, that made, that, there was a flash update for it that would correct that issue.
2: So So, may have more
0: than one problem there.
2: Back to the fifth thing just a minute. Do you think this is one I can put the chip in under the column or not?
0: If it's got the chip in your key, as you can see, yeah, if it's got that, you can. Just
2: read the resistance on it.
0: Correct. Read the resistor on on that key. It'll be a certain resistance in it, and you just go to the two wires that go to the cylinder, take them off, put that much resistance across it, and it will just think it's always there.
2: Well, I certainly thank you for your time, and I listen to you every time. You give us a lot of good information. All right, Eugene. Well, good
0: luck with that, man. Y'all have a good weekend. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, we got to take a quick little break.
5: Joe, if you hold on, you'll be straight up after this break. Lie back and tell me what's stressing you out, Mr... voltage, supervillain, arch nemesis of good. I have electric superpowers, blah, blah, blah. And it sounds like you're burnt out and stressed about your job. Yes, Doctor, the pressure is insane. My wife's always nagging me about my evil plans not being up to par. Melting the polar ice caps, blocking out the sun, world domination. None of it's good enough for her. Uh, Some days... I just want a garden. Hey, Voltage, I can't really advise you on your super evil plans, but I can offer this advice on gaining some peace of mind. Bring your car in once a year to AGCO for a general inspection. They check your vehicle, perform needed maintenance, and they catch any problems early so you don't have major repairs down the road. Hmm, I know AGCO could work on my Scion, but can they work on my G-19 Thermonuclear Urban Assault carcopter? You'll have to call Agco about that. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go.
0: Hey, welcome back. You just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldezan with Mr. Josh Wilson. Hey, between tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Just give us calls. 291-6901. Of course, put a 225 in front of there. That'll get you to us from anywhere in the United States. And we've got Joe's been patiently holding. Good morning, Joe.
6: Okay, my problem is I have a 2007 Honda Accord, Mm -hmm. and it's got the V6 engine, and I'm having a cooling problem. Every time I turn the air conditioning on, it just blows hot air, and as I'm driving and I hit a bump, then it cuts in, the cool air cuts cuts in all of a sudden, and that's, that's the main problem I'm having. Well,
0: the first thing you want to do, Joe, is crank the car and see if the compressor is turning or not. And there's the pulley on the compressor will be turning because it's tied directly by a belt to the engine. But there's a clutch in the front of that compressor, like a little drive plate.
6: Right. Look
0: down and see if that drive plate is turning. I've
6: looked at that, mm-hmm. and it doesn't be turning at first. Mm-hmm. But if I take something and, you know, kind of
0: tap on tap it,
6: it. Right. Yeah, it, it, it does turn. Yeah,
0: most likely that clutch is going bad. Honda's had a fair amount of trouble with that. And I say trouble. They get up a hundred plus thousand miles and the clutch goes out on them. If you got the way you could tell if that's the problem or not, if you got a voltmeter, you can just go to those two little pigtails on the back of there. One's ground, one's hot. Just put a voltmeter across them. If you've got 12 volts right there and the clutch is not engaged, then it is the clutch. The clutch is bad because that means you've got power to it. You know, there's a few things that can interrupt power to the clutch, like, for instance, the clutch relay and all that, but if you've right. got voltage there and it's not engaging, then the clutch is bad. And how many miles are on the car now, Joe? Uh,
6: 134,000.
0: Okay, so you got the option. There are a couple of different ways to go about repairing that. One is you have to take the compressor off to change the clutch. And the clutches are fairly expensive, almost the price of a compressor. What right. you might consider doing, if that turns out to be the case, is just replace the clutch and the compressor at the same time, simply because the labor's the same and the price is almost the same, and you got 130,000 miles in that compressor. So if you go in you put a new clutch, which is going to probably, a clutch is going to probably cost you $300, and a compressor is going to cost you four or 450 you know, You spend $300, and the compressor goes out a year from now, well, you just threw all that money away. Right. So that's kind of, but I would get a voltmeter or have someone get a voltmeter and just check. If you've got power and ground to the clutch, it's not engaged in the clutch itself. is bad.
3: Okay. Thanks a lot. Okay, man.
0: Thanks, Jim. Bye-bye. Okay. All right, is the number. of you party automotive we'd love to have you. Give us a call. Catch you
1: right. up on
0: me. You probably might have. We were talking a little bit about an email I received from Tim in Minnesota. And his second question was, he said, what is the best and worst part about being a boss? And I gotta say, the best part is that you can make a decision and basically nobody can override you. So if you know what you're doing right and you can you can get it implemented, easier than someone who has to ask to someone else. The worst part is you can make a decision nobody questions. <laughs> kind of nobody listens. Well the, the <laughs> problem is if you make the wrong decisions nobody to stop you. Right. So in let's just pick on our political system, you may have a candidate who sees the light, wants to do a certain thing, but he has to ask to an awful lot of people he can't just go in and implement something. Whereas if he could, it might be better for the country as a whole, but it's just not the way our political system works. We have to discuss it and and all that. Well, in a business where you're the sole owner, if you see an opportunity, you can take immediate advantage of it. If you see something wrong, you can fix it right away. And that's real good from a standpoint of growth and doing well and serving customers and all, but it can also be bad because if that person is not guided, by the proper motivations, he can make a mistake. And there's no one there to stop him. So I would have to say the answer to that would be the same thing. <laughs> and the third question, he said, what's the best business decision you ever made? And that would be hard. I've made a lot of decisions. Hey, Josh is saying me, you hired me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a lot of decisions that have helped me out a lot. Some decisions have probably harmed me over the years. But I would say the decision to get a knowledge of numbers, how numbers work, An understanding of accounting, which I did very, very early on in my career, has served me very, very well over the years.
1: Right. And just, I guess, preparing for down times and and not being, having yourself in a really bad situation, you know, kind of predicting and having your funds and having everything set up.
0: Well, and what that is, is basically being able to differentiate between cash on hand and actual profit and most of the businesses, and I've seen a lot come and go in 45 years and most of them last 3 to 5 years, and what happens is that they come in at first they really don't have a lot of money, so they have to watch every penny, and they do that pretty well and so they kind of make it they're not making a lot, but they're making ends meet, and when they open their business, mostly everything they had was new, so all this stuff is new at that point, and it's all operating fine but then 3 five years down the road, some major component of their business goes down, and they didn't realize that you have to have reserves for this depreciation that is occurring, so something major will happen, and it wipes them out, and what you have to learn is that when you are, for instance, you're collecting sales tax all month long, you're selling things to customers, they are emitting the sales tax, you are collecting that, that is not your money, it may be in your checking account right now. But before the 20th of the next month, that has to be remitted to the state and the parish and all that. So if you spend that money on something and all of a sudden this big tax bill comes in, it's not the city parish that puts you out of business. (laughs) It's failure to realize that you were collecting someone else's money. That's not money you can spend. And what I've seen also a lot of businesses when they get somewhere around the five-year area, they start making probably more money than they've ever made before. And the first thing you want to do is start buying some adult toys. You know, it's a Harley Davidson or a new ski boat or whatever because they've got a lot of cash on hand, but they don't realize, okay, my compressor goes down. Well, that's a three or four thousand dollar expense. Well, now they don't have the money because they spend it on some adult toy or whatever happens. You have to have a reserve for that. You have to be able to differentiate between the cash on hand and the actual profit. So, Anyway, we kind of drifted a little bit off the topic of automotive, but that was the question. So, <laughs> Tim, I hope that answered your questions for you. You were mentioning before uh, the show about some of the newer problems we're seeing on some of the newer transmissions. For instance, General Motors came out with an 8-speed years ago.
1: Right. Their 8-speed transmission, that actually been out a few years. They've just had a tremendous amount of trouble with that with shutter and
0: torque
1: converter shutter because they're bringing it on at, Fifteen miles an hour. Right, it'll, it'll start coming on it, and even 10, between the gears, right between Whereas the gears. It used to be that it would shift all the gears, and then go to lock up. Right, you go to lock up usually after fourth, sometimes between third and fourth, and which that you know lock the torque converter to the engine one to one, so that there was no more slip. And now they have slip just built in, mm-hmm. and to meet their cafe ratings, they're bringing that on at a certain percentage at a really low mileage. Mm-hmm. So the end result of that is with all of, all of that slippage, you're getting shutters. Mm-hmm. And that has been, they're trying to address it with the fluids. They started right. out with the Dexron HP, which they've done away with. Now uh, They've went with Mobile's LV fluid, which has been redesigned. So your latest version of it is still it's the same designation, Mobile LV, but your older version version is in a black label and your new version is in a blue label bottle so if you don't know which oil to go out and get you can be putting the older fluid in which is still going to have the shutter well if you've got
0: a parts store or vendor or even a dealership who had bought a bunch of this several cases of this fluid they're not going to just throw that away no because there's a revised fluid and
1: like your dealership your dealership's not going to use it on the ones that they're servicing because they they're going to put the blue one in to get that shutter out right so, so, they may sell it to you,
0: <laughs> and that, <laughs> that shouldn't somewhere. happen. But that kind of stuff does happen.
1: Well, right, they bought it. They have to do something with it, and until they get that all purged out of the system, which means sold, sold to on somebody, customer. <laughs> right? You just want to. You really have to do your research and stay up to date on what you have to put in your vehicle. If you were going to go by your owner's manual
5: mm-hmm. or
1: the the stamping on the dipstick, it's going to say are on HP. Right, because that's what was the fluid when the car was built,
0: and that manual was printed, and that dipstick was stamped. Correct. They can't change that. They're not going to recall them all and change the no, dipstick or change gonna. the owner's manual. But, like you said, if you look in your owner's manual, you look on the dipstick, it's going to say one thing, and if you could find that fluid, which is probably some still out there, you're going to continue to perpetuate your problem. Correct. Because it was basically a, I'm not going to say an inferior fluid. It just wasn't up to the task.
1: And it's what their their task is the parameters are so out there i mean in order to to compensate for that low mileage slip i mean they're just trying to to do whatever they can to keep it a really smooth operation well short of redesigning the transmission they don't want to do that
0: but what happens to this fluid they've come out with these just super long intervals that mm-hmm. they recommend, up to a hundred thousand miles or more on transmissions, and, and that some would of them tear, breaks down.
1: Yeah, some of them just say for the life of the trans. Right. Well,
0: it's going to be life yeah. of or
1: trans. Or yeah. Right. When right. it goes out, trans is going to tear up. Now, the end of the life. Right. I was, was died. Just at the seminar in Biloxi, mm-hmm. and I was talking with one of the, the guys who's really, really deep into the research, mm-hmm. and I'm like, you know, on these CVT trans, all these new transmissions, and their intervals are up at words of a hundred. Thousand and more, right? i like, what are you seeing on your end? Where would you put it if it was your car? And you know, of course, his answer is, oh, I, I do mine every year, once a year. Yeah, you know, to to have a more realistic for the customer, I, I absolutely would not go over fifty thousand miles, right. on, on
0: any of them. Yeah, and we're seeing so much more trouble with that kind of stuff since they've gone these longer intervals. We got to take our second quick little break. Hey, Brett, you hold on; you'll
5: be straight up after this break. Ah, yes, Mr. Bigfoot. Huh? Make yourself comfortable on the couch and tell me what has stressed you out. Uh, I'm just a secluded forest dweller and I like it like that. But every now and then I get these people hunting me down. There's a TV show, jerky commercials, and now another movie. Then I worry about the hype. If they do find me, will my feet be big enough? Well, Mr. Foot, I can't really do much about these people, but I can tell you how to create some peace of mind in your life. Do like me and take your car to AGCO once a year for a general inspection. They provide me an honest opinion on some maintenance and repairs I need now and in the future. They can even catch small issues that can lead to big, expensive problems down the road. An Agco general inspection, huh? Oh, one more thing, Doc. Could you tell me where I can find this toilet paper? I've heard wonderful things about it. Here's Agco's number. And the name of another store that may ship some TP straight to your cave. Thanks, Doc. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go.
4: Noise off the river to Don't mind it cause hey, welcome back. If
0: you're just joining us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, with Mr. Josh Wilson. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Just give us a call. Our number is 291-6901. And we've got Brett's been patient. Holden. Good morning, Brett. Doing
6: this morning. Doing great, sir. Uh, we well, are yeah, talking about transmissions. I got a question. I have a 2014 Ram diesel
0: mm-hmm.
6: with a 68 RFE. Okay. Have y'all heard? I know it has... Doesn't it have two filters inside that transmission?
1: Yes, it does. The main filter and what they call the cooler return filter. It looks like a oil filter. It's a spin-on filter. No, that's on the outside. Well, isn't it? No, it's on the inside on the uh, on the 68. Okay. It's inside the pan. Okay. I need to bring it to y'all for
6: service, but have y'all heard, heard of a problem with that? Heard it has a plastic nipple on the oil filter side, the one that looks like the oil filter. Have you heard this?
1: yeah the threads that screws onto the case picture your oil filter you spin it onto that threaded the, threaded male, piece stud. Off of the male stud on the block right yeah
6: have you heard of a problem with them breaking
1: i have heard of them breaking that's usually from pressure spike okay. pressure building up and and popping that off as okay. long as you're using a good quality filter that should not be a problem
6: okay is there any i mean i'm just going to come get it serviced. is there anything that special needs to be done to that When I heard y'all talking about the GM transmission. Is there
1: anything? No, just you know- sticking with the, the Mopar fluid. They use ATF plus four and, you know, making sure you have qual- a good quality filter because those filters, they're the main filter, not the spin on one that with the nipple that could break, but the main filter has a, not a real big seal and that seal is the only thing that holds it up in place. So you want to make sure if it's not a good quality seal, the filter will drop down and you'll, Pull air up into the pump. The other thing is to make sure I, I pre-fill those filters, pre-soak them, because uh, uh-huh. if you suck air into any one of those clutches, you mess up the shift adapts, okay. and then which you'll have to go through quick learn procedure and then some driving procedures to get your shifted back uh, shift adapts back to where they were. So somebody can service it, and hey, I've even seen them thrown into limp mode from pulling air in, just putting a dry filter on and. Crank it up and drop it into drive, and it doesn't. It has to circulate that fluid, and the computer won't see it, and it will put it into a limp mode, which is just a matter of purging the air and redoing your shift adapts. But not crazy complicated, but something that can be um, done done wrong can be done wrong. Yeah, I'm
6: gonna bring it. I'm gonna bring it to y'all. I brought stuff to y'all before. I I just my previous. I had another one before. This another diesel, and I don't run them real hard but i do pull trailers with them
1: mm-hmm. right
6: and i i had a i had a transmission go on the other one and it was super costly of course
1: to mm-hmm. fix it oh they're yeah they're crazy and expensive did. and those dodges are is yours a uh, four-wheel drive yes it is a four okay drive. we want to look at the the u-joints on that also real close these late model dodges you know 15 16 17 have been breaking the front u-joints on the front drive shaft and have they really yeah and if you're not keeping a good eye on them, when they they come off, they're spinning. They're wrapping the wire harness. They're wrapping the fuel lines. They're wrapping every, everything that's spinning. It just grabbing it and wrapping it around there. Uh, just it's super expensive. We're talking. It can tear up a lot of stuff. Six, yeah, six to nine thousand dollars worth of stuff. If it Whoa. if it wraps that wire harness, I mean, it rips the whole wire harness and just wraps it around the drive shaft because you're spinning. You know, yeah, and possibly tear up a radiator or even an engine
0: pan or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Right I, getting,
1: I got you know, I'm part of a social group with the transmission industry. These people are posting these pictures of these Dodge trucks they're doing all the time, and it's they'll pull the the drive shaft out, and it's got the fuel line wrapped around it. It's got the whole wire, engine wire harness wrapped right. around it.
0: So something you so, want to keep a close eye on every yeah, time you late, get it service. Late
1: model Dodge four by fours keep a good eye on them U joints and maybe even replace the u-joints when they get you know 100,000 miles you, you know but, it, it's but I good I got
6: right at 107 so I was going to bring it in and let y'all yeah we, we at least we at least want to look at them check
1: them good make sure they're good check them real good and up to you preventative insurance of when you want to replace them but well, definitely this a pretty something good
6: that, overall transmission in this
1: yeah it's set. real strong trans the u-joints going out do will break the case if they go out and the the valves in the valve body will wear out. So keeping right. good, good, clean fluid helps prevent that valve Regular wear. Regular service. So that's really, people don't realize how much that can save the valve wear in the valve body. It's not that the clutches are broke down or the fluids broke down all that much, but if you keep it good and clean, you'll extend the life of the valve wear. And okay. when when that switch valve, it's called a switch valve in that valve body, when it goes out, it can... Apply two different clutches at the same time, and that burns it up quickly. I bet. Well, like well, within uh, a couple of blocks.
6: <laughs> so
1: so uh, Well, I'm gonna
6: bring it in for y'all for service and let y'all service it. I just kind of wanted to. Okay. I just want to get your thoughts on what you actually kind of thought of the overall.
1: Yeah. Yeah, overall, overall is overall, it's pretty you good. Pretty good. to keep a good quality filter, so you don't have the plastic nipple breaking. Should be for good it. to go.
6: That's good to hear, because when you have a diesel and. All that's put a lot of torque, and I
1: know that's what eats them up, you
6: know, yep. so. Right. And I try not to drive it real hard, and I don't have any kind of, all the depth, everything's on it. So I haven't done any of that oh, on Oh, yeah, it. Good.
0: Right.
4: Sounds sounds good. Sounds
0: good. Sounds good. Thanks, man. I gotta go back off on phone lines. We've got Herb online. Good on, morning, Herb.
4: Good morning, I think you got a transmission man on there today, and I just wanted to run it by you. You've got a Levin Taurus, mm-hmm. New newer body style. Yes, sir. And my wife's crazy about it, and don't want me to get rid of it. And uh, been wondering about that transmission as, uh, that got the paddles on the steering wheel. You know, your ship wheel. Mm-hmm. Is it? Did, do they all make a hundred thousand, or are there some very few of them? Or I'm uh, <laughs> just worried about. I've heard it cost uh, arm and leg to get it fixed.
1: But, right, kind of along the same line of the previous caller. Yours is going to be a. A drain and fill transmission in other words you have a filter but it's going to be inside the, the transmission case you have to pull the transmission out and disassemble it to get to that filter so
4: y'all changed it for me about a month and a half ago the okay.
1: fluid right if you're keeping that fluid changed you know i would expect a good bit over a hundred thousand you know a hundred hundred fifty to, okay. to start well,
4: that's good to hear i've been worried about it and uh, she loves that thing <laughs>
1: yeah yeah they're they're good comfortable little cars
4: okay well i've changed fluid in the in the antifreeze yesterday in the uh, radiator and that was a pretty good job for a 75 year old <laughs> fat man
1: but i got it out of there yeah
4: got, got half of it yeah out. They're,
1: they're hard to roll under for sure
4: okay well that's what i wanted to ask you know. all right Herb. You know, okay enjoy, enjoy your show thank hey, you man thank
0: hey. you bye-bye all right i see we can sneak one more call in before the break we got david online. good morning david
7: Good morning. I'm driving along. i pulled over. I heard Josh on the radio and I knew it was transmission. <laughs> I got a quick question for you. Okay. Yes, sir. I, I'm sure it's a light question, but it would be helpful for my education. Last Thursday through Sunday, I drove my mother and her, her own uh, Toyota 2006 Camry
3: mm-hmm.
7: uh, to the other side of Austin and back, and it performed perfectly. Thank y'all for good, taking such good care of it. But on the way back after breakfast, Back on the interstate, I noticed I had an alarm light O slash D off. And I figured that was overdrive, but I couldn't find anything. So right. I pulled off at the next exit with the intention of getting the manual out. And I saw the little button camouflaged on the left-hand side of the shift lever, mm-hmm. overdrive. And uh, I just wondered uh, what that's for, what it should normally be. I noticed the higher RPMs when the alarm was on right. and uh, when I should use it, if at all
1: when you would want to use that maybe in the mountains if it's or up in a grade if it's you know going in and out of overdrive depending on engine load probably not anything you're ever going to need around here the mountains would probably be the only thing i could think of on that i mean uh, i guess you would want to technically it if you were towing something but you'd never be towing with a little yeah, car you're like not that really so. going to be towing with the camry but th- that's really about the only time i would ever foresee using that and that button probably got bumped. Yeah. It really uh,
0: confuses people more than it helps, I find. You can accidentally bump it, and then, of course, light pops on, and people get confused and all that. But,
7: uh, right. Exactly what happened to me.
0: Right. They just really, I guess it's got a function. Like Josh said, if you lived in the Rocky Mountains where you were pulling up a very steep
1: grade, and it was jumping in and out of overdrive, trying to keep the engine running. Right. You or, might want to lock it out of overdrive. Right, Coming down, going down the grade, if you wanted a little engine braking, you'd come out and get in the lower gear. But, oh, okay, well,
7: I sure do appreciate the information. Now I've learned something that I always <laughs> try to do on Saturdays at 10 o'clock. wait
0: do. <laughs> All right, Ms. David. Thank you. Thank Thanks. you. All right, we're going to take our
5: final quick little break and be right back with more in the Automotive Hour. So lie back on the couch, Ms. Bo Peep, and tell me what's got you stressed. Ugh,
7: my sheep keep getting lost.
2: I mean, they're in the meadow one minute, and I look down at a text, and then I don't know where to find them, and they keep doing it. Let me level with you, Doc. Sheep are not the smartest animals. <laughs> but you, Denise, you're the exception. Look, Doc, you ever try to have a conversation with a sheep? It's a little one-sided. They just look at you with this blank look on their faces. That and the whole getting
7: lost thing has me at my wit's end.
5: I can't really help you with losing sheep, but I can tell you how to get a little peace of mind. Do like me and take your car into Agco Automotive once a year for a general inspection. They check everything out and perform maintenance on what you need to keep your car running right, and it saves money in the long run.
2: Ooh, but the money I save, I can buy some shock collars to keep those little half-wits in one place. Bleh. Denise, you know I wouldn't do that to you.
5: Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you join us, as the Automotive
0: Hour. I'm Lewis Aldazan, president of Agco Automotive. Our transmission guru, Mr. Josh Wilson, right here in the co-pilot seat today. And if you have a question or comment about the show, you give us a call. It's 291 That'll get you straight up to us talking a little bit about transmissions and you mentioned about the torque converter shutter and all that i know ford has had a lot of trouble on their f-150s and all their rear wheel drives with that torque converter shutter and their six
1: speeds right and it's funny because the ford and the gm they're partnering up on developing these transmissions a lot there's a lot of similarities Mm -hmm. and ford had all the trouble with the six-speed shutter and and gm's 6l didn't have that much trouble shuttering. And of course, they, and I now, guess they're using what Dextron 6 and the GM and Mercon LV in the. Right, in the 6 the speeds. They took Dex 6, yeah, and LV in the Fords. Uh, and the LV is, stands for low viscosity. And now they've joint let out that 8 speed, and GM's having all the shutter issues. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that, some of that may be tuned out in the computer if they'll release a. flash flash update for it of course that opens up the whole other can of worms of emissions but it's something that they may have to do and
0: you had mentioned during the break about uh, we had a late model toyota tundra in the shop
1: and the gentleman said it feels like it's kind
0: of in a bind right and and it was actually excessive engine braking
1: excessive engine braking which toyota had released a a flash update for Mm -hmm. and that was you know immediately you get in and drive it and you feel the difference you know it, it just it free rolls a lot easier after the update than it did when it came in. On these later model vehicles, it's really really important. If it doesn't feel right, just have it checked out. See if there's an update. It may be just as simple as doing a program. Right. And of course we're talking program, we're talking about a legitimate program
0: from the manufacturer. Yeah, the manufacturer not one of these
1: tunes that not a aftermarket out. tune. Right.
0: Um, Because there's a lot of those out there that purport to do this, that, and the other. And what a lot of people may not realize, but when you do that, any kind of tune, like if you go on a GM car and turn off the displacement on demand or you do anything like that, you have violated the Federal Clean Air Act. Right. And that can be a big, big, big deal. I know to a shop, that can be about a $10,000 fine. Now, I'm not
1: sure they're going to find the owner of the car, but it may be that you can't sell the car. Yeah, you never know what they're going to do in the future, but they're constantly working on trying to prevent aftermarket from, you know, tampering, tampering. Yeah, tampering or manipulating the emissions, which usually ends up in your car running better. but they, Well, it, may address, it one,
0: to, may address one factor, but then we don't know what else is going to affect. Right. You For might instance, get, they may... Riching up the mixture to give you more power or something like that. But what you don't realize is that causes the catalytic converter to go out. Right. So, right. yes, you did address one issue, but now you've created a
1: problem. Created another one. And for the OE manufacturer to release an update, all of that has already gone through the EPA. EPA
0: the approval process. Approval.
1: Uh, Yeah, they've they've already submitted it. They've already run the test. You know, it's a lengthy process for them to release an update. Oh, yeah, and then they've got to make sure it doesn't affect other parts
0: adversely. Right. Because you can fix one thing and create two more problems, and that's what doesn't come with this aftermarket tuner stuff, along with the fact that it's illegal to do it, and it can certainly ensnare you in problems owning the vehicle once it's been done.
1: Right. So you want to stay away from all those. you you got to imagine eventually they're going to catch up and and find a way to make it a problem for you, the car owner. Right. Let's go back out. George, good morning, George.
3: Hey, good morning. Hey, guys. I just had a quick question. Uh, Sure. I had a 2016 Honda CRV that was taken into the dealership with a minor roaring problem and told me I needed a new transmission. Okay. And we got a little nervous that maybe there was other things going to happen, so we just traded the car in and... Got another one. Got, okay. a, got a new one. So I'm just wondering if it's still got the CVT transmission or something yeah, like that. And I'm wondering what that
1: In 15, that known,
3: some issues with that kind of transmission.
1: I have not heard of the roaring problem. Don't know if that was, certainly could have been in the trans or may Possibly have even gotten, gotten a like Yeah. yeah. Uh, haven't heard of a lot of problems with that CVT, but in 15, all your Honda, CV, your Honda CRVs went to that CVT, CVT. transmission. Just oh. something something you're not going to get away from unless you go older okay so and,
3: but there's no nothing there's nothing there that says okay this, this is not where you want to be
1: we, we really haven't seen
3: much trouble out of them we seen, service
0: quite a bit of them right. i would want to know it wasn't on any kind of warranty or anything george
3: yes it was okay i was gonna fix it i just we just got nervous right right you know, what else is going to happen to this car Right. Yeah, and my life on I would
0: have been interested to let them fix that and see if the noise wasn't still there because, I mean, most roaring noises, in a, and I'm not going to say it wasn't because it could possibly be a bearing went out in the transmission, but most of the roaring noises we see are more like you know, wheel bearings and stuff like that. That's fairly common, yeah, particularly to drive tires. through high water, bad tires, all those right. sorts of things. Did the noise change when it shifted
3: gears? No, it sort of stayed the same. It, started, it changed when you started braking. And they actually thought it was a wheel bearing. They changed that. and mm-hmm. Still
0: didn't fix it. Well, there's four of them on there and yeah. that can, I tell you, that gets misdiagnosed a lot. Right.
3: Yeah. The,
0: yeah right. We get them in all the time where someone's changed one wheel bearing and even the front and rear. It's, it's almost impossible. What we do, we take a series of microphones, hook under the car and we've got a rotary switch and a set of headphones where we can drive around, switch between them and listen in and even there sometimes you can't determine exactly because that noise transfers around so much under the car. It's very 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 difficult. But I've seen a lot of times people change both front wheel bearings. Says man, I swore it's wheel bearing, but it can't be. It must be something else because it's still there. And you go in and you check, and it's actually a rear one. And no, no way, that noise is in the front. Well, I'm just telling you, it's a rear one. We change the rear one and it fixes the problem. Even a bad tire will you'll get a chop wear on a tire and it will make a roaring noise like that. And what kind of gives it away is the braking because when you're braking. You're loading the wheelbarrow and you're loading the tire, but you're really not affecting the transmission a whole lot. So I'm not sure they didn't maybe disdi- misdiagnose that problem. Okay. Uh, not here okay. nor there, but we haven't seen a lot of trouble out of those. No. Okay.
3: Well, thanks for the information. Okay, Thank man.
0: You. All right, George. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. All one sixty nine zero one is the number of you on the part of the automotive. we still got a few minutes. Be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction.
1: Yeah. And
0: talking about the, the flash updates and, and that sort of thing.
1: Right. I mean, that's really turned into your go-to first step is go get in the computer and see if there is an update for the complaint. Mm -hmm. And and many, many times, yeah, there's the bulletin that is almost word for word what the customer comes in and says, this is what my car, I think my car is doing or, you know, this is what I'm feeling. And all of that is addressed with the OE flash update. Well,
0: you know, know, because cars now are largely assembled by robots and robotics and automated systems, you don't see so many of the effective workmanship as you did at one time. You know, you used to be an assembly line worker had a bad day and didn't put something on right mm-hmm. or whatever. You don't hardly see that at all. But what you do see is design issues. Right. Words, it something didn't make it the design process exactly right. And the point I'm trying to make is that when you have that, it's generally going to occur on multiple cars.
1: Right. It's going to be a common issue to this car. Right. And there's only so much real-world driving they can do. You know, they can't, you know, uh, duplicate every single driving condition across the country. So they just have to... Or and, over time. And over time, you know, is something, you know, they're not going to wait 10 years to release the car. That, you know Correct. They have to... Have to drive it the best the they out. can and put it out and make adjustments as needed. Well,
0: I remember there was an old Cadillac that was out there, and it had the clock in the radio like a lot of cars do. And obviously, when you disconnect the battery, you would lose the memory, and you would have to go back and reset that time. Well, for a long, long, long time, this worked perfectly. But for some reason, after the car got about 10 years old, and you disconnect the battery it would not take a reset and it was just accumulation of different adjustments that it made over the years and this that and the other it just wouldn't reset it would just sit there and blank zero 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 and you couldn't reset the the fix was change the radio and i remember we had one come in and everything's working fine except the battery was dead well we changed the battery and radio wouldn't reset and the guy said, well, it was working fine when it came in. I said, no, it wasn't doing anything when it came in. Dead battery. <laughs> and I pulled up the bullet and showed it to him. And as luck would have it, we were able to disconnect it a couple of times and it went ahead and reset. It just finally took. And he was happy, of course, but I told him, I said, man, look, you need to watch this because it's going to be an issue in the future next time that's you right. disconnect this battery yeah this may not reset
1: yeah and that's another something way over time that we have evolved is you know you never when we change a battery out if at all possible you've got to back up the power and keep it alive i see
0: we're just about totally out of time got to start winding on up getting ready to get on out of here tell everybody who's listening to the show how much we appreciate them listening and of course our podcast listeners we always appreciate you and if you would tell one of your friends that good show to listen to maybe we can increase our listenership even more also, if it's a written review, go ahead and fill that out for it. Or move us up in the rankings. And we appreciate comments back. It makes us feel good about what we're doing. <laughs> All right. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend. Mm-hmm.